This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Uh, I'm happy with the evolution. Uh, I knew, I, I, I think I knew, or I thought I knew where I could improve the, uh, the team. We always are very open to what we are, uh, to what we are doing. And I couldn't be pleased, but of course, this position is can be fake. Tomorrow it can be second. You lose two matches and you become mid-table. Incredible, incredible Premier League. I prefer to be top of the league than to be second, third, or fourth. But it's not a, an obsession. It's not a problem for me. If tomorrow Leicester wins and goes top of the league for me. It's not a problem at all. We want to win the next match. I don't care about the table, I don't care about the opponents, I don't care about the competition. We want to win the next match. I want to go to, to every game with the players believing and organized in a way where we think we can beat that, uh, that opponent. Off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. A delighted Jose Mourinho. Uh, he's sounding more like Jose Mourinho, the Jose we know. Speaking after Spurs beat Man City 2-0 to go top at the weekend. Off the ball with me, Ross, on a Monday evening. And hello to my special guests. Hello, Cam Raslan. Hey, Ross. Hello. Uh, hi to Des Corkill. I'll start by blowing my own trumpets and telling you I predicted that Tottenham virtuoso performance. <laughs> it's going to be a good show. A little snippet already. Arvin Sidhu. Is here also wearing his Leeds top. Hello, Arvin. Hello, everyone. Sometimes you can just try and try and try, and the ball just doesn't go in the back of the net. But oh do well. you have lots of Leeds tops that you throw away? Wasteful. Oh, no, <laughs> never, never. I've got one for every season. Never. As usual, you can tweet the guys at BFM Radio. Uh, follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. We do have a YouTube channel up and running. Do check us out. It's TFIF on video. Right, let's talk about the big one. At the weekend, Jose's Tottenham hitting the top after a display of clinical efficiency and tactical discipline. Um, Cam Raslan, what do you make of this, this Tottenham side under this Portuguese manager? And are they real contenders for you? Uh I think they. I think they are. I'm not sure. Man City are having a really pre- very poor season, and they're probably quite easy to pick off. But apparently, from the time that Jose took over at uh, Spurs, he's the third. Um, he's won more points apart from Liverpool and Man City. But I was really impressed actually by the defense. There was one Jesus uh, chance, and there were seven Spurs players in the Spurs penalty box. It was absolutely crammed in there. And that, for me, was very impressive. So, yeah, well done to, to Jose. It, it was a Jose masterclass, Des. You, you said Pep would go in and probably be the more defensive coach. They tried to attack. We'll, we'll talk about Man City's deficiencies later, but how good were Tottenham? Defending, uh, existing with, what, 35% possession? Yeah, they were, the, they were a proper team, though. They defended well, um, I need to mention though the the disallowed Hazus goal. Um, was it to me? It's yes. not 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 in a million years. It was his it's shoulder, close. wasn't it? It's close. He's doing like that. So defenders aren't. I've got to defend like that. Attackers have got to go like that. <laughs> there is no consistency. That goal allowed. 
Just for radio purposes, Des, first of all, scrunch his <laughs> shoulders together and then put his arms out wide for strikers. But yeah, we, we, I mean, it, it was... And it harsh. ruins the game because we don't know what would have happened after that moment. So a dreadful decision in my book, an awful VAR-affirmed uh, decision has cancelled out a Manchester City goal. They've been robbed, uh, I believe, against Tottenham for the second time after the Champions League uh, of a few years ago. And everyone seems to be happy with it. I am incandescent because, yes, Tottenham have played well. Yes, Tottenham have taken advantage. But the VAR goal has completely obliterated, in my mind, every aspect of this game. doesn't matter how good Tottenham played, how ordinary Manchester City were, that dreadful, crap, awful decision has decided that game of football and it is a travesty and I cannot wait for the lawyers to get involved in football because that is what it deserves. Yeah, you could see it affected Man City players. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne came out and said, I, I, I've been playing football all my life. I really don't know what the rules are nowadays. They've changed it in the last two years. But that aside, Arvin, City side, Pep's City side are, are Missing glaringly missing a Sergio Aguero type figure. I mean, yeah, they have a Gabriel Jesus who's more mobile, he'll run and all that, but he, he won't get you your goals like Aguero does. Yeah, and you summed it up well because you're looking at it this way that they as usual they had plenty of possession, but they just they just couldn't find a way through. There was no clinical finishing at the end of it. But they uh, did the first time. they found a way through. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they but, just but, scored. but hold hold That's up, the point. Hold, hold, hold on, hold on. That I well, agree that's an important that. point, uh, Arvin. A really I important agree. point. I, I agree on the decision that City were hard, hard done by. It. Definitely. I'm not going to say that they, they were not. They were hard done by. It. But when you look at the course of the last few games that City has played, mm. they are on a negative one goal difference. They're averaging less than a goal a game. There is a reason why this is happening. And it's because, like what you said, Gabriel Jesus will never... He will do that beautiful trick against Liverpool. He's always, he's always available to do that. But is he going to consistently get you 15, 20 goals a season? Highly unlikely. The likes of Kevin De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva can provide you as many assists. But if you do not have someone putting the ball in the back of the net more regularly than what City are doing right now, they will struggle. Yeah. They were unfortunate not to be given that goal against Tottenham. I completely agree with Des on that one. Uh, but I, I just feel the City squad is losing some real foundations that they have lost over the years. David Silva, Vincent Company, Aguero's not the same player. When you lose such huge characters like that and the, the players that they bought haven't got to that level yet, it's bound to be a struggle in that transition period. Well, Pep's got to do something. He's just signed a two-year extension. Now, we have to go back and, and talk about how good Spurs are. Otherwise, Spurs fans are going to be writing and moaning. Uh, Dombele's ball through to Son. Wow! That was... Luka Modric, that was <laughs> Des. I mean, that was good. Their, their play to get the goals were clinical. They were excellent. And Dombele is a terrific signing. He, we, he didn't show it last, last season. And I know Tottenham fans were absolutely thrilled when they got the signing. Frustrated with him last year, but he's a wonderful signing. Suzoko is the powerhouse in midfield. Yeah. So that three-man midfield is difficult to get through. Harry Kane playing withdrawn and allowing the pace men to go the other side of him. It, it's, it, it seems pretty obvious when you look at it, but when you've got some space and Kane has pulled the centre-back center out of position, it's a, it is a devastating thing. Son, one-on-one with any uh, defender plus the goalkeeper, he's going to score five times out of ten, and that is uh, that—that's a wonderful habit to get into for for Tottenham Hotspur. 
Yeah, Joe Lo Celso I, I, scoring 35 seconds after coming on. <laughs> I, I, was reading an, I was reading an interesting quote. This Spurs is Moreno's prime Real Madrid. Kane is the Mesut Ozil. Son Heung-Min is the Cristiano Ronaldo. Kane is providing it and Son is putting them away. And right now, when, when you struggle to pick a man of the match for Spurs, that shows how the entire team is switched on at this moment yep. in time. Yeah, well said, well said. Uh, what, what, all right, yeah. Cam? Well, I think, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited watching uh, Harry Kane as he gets older, becoming uh, a really wonderful playmaker mm. uh, and having with Son up front. But this was a counter-attacking victory and I don't know how often they get the opportunity to replicate this situation. There are not many teams who are that much on paper better than Spurs. So when they come across more dogged defence, I, I, I don't think they can do this again and again. Well, they've done it for nine games and well done. They, they're top of the pile on goal difference at the moment. Uh, Liverpool played late on Sunday, early Monday morning, and it was as clinical as Spurs, uh, Spurs game was. Only Liverpool enjoyed a lot more possession. Li- Liverpool stepped up to the plate. And I, I'm, I'm saying this as a Man United fan here. I, I'm saying that Liverpool are the they epitomize a superbly coached team, and this has been over the last what four or five years now. Uh, you can see that they've all stepped up it, with with the absentees, the Van Dykes missing, uh, Thiago missing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But every player stepped up. There's you must be so proud. So what Jurgen Klopp did not do before the Leicester game was complain. He did not whinge. He went out and said, hey, listen, I've got a really good squad. Uh, We've got really good players here. And what he did at Dortmund and at Mainz was he made good players very good. He made very good players world-class. He got a consistency out of them. And he finds a little gem. He found a youngster called Marco Royce when he was at Dortmund. Here he's found an old guy called James Milner. James Milner was (laughs) revelationary at right back. And in midfield, when he stepped up, he was able to just look after the team. So he was Jurgen Klopp's coach on the side. There were no complaints. I tell you what, the the injuries may catch up with Liverpool. But in many ways, this is a performance and a season already to be hugely proud of. He gets what Liverpool is about. The Shankly way was you don't whinge. You just get on with it. You do your best. That's the Jurgen Klopp way. And that's what he's brought to Liverpool. And it's an honest way of playing. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm ever so proud and the victory over a, a, a Leicester team who are a good team and were talking big about it beforehand. They were not Brendan Rodgers, but the players were in, were, were in the camp saying, yeah, yeah, we've got a chance here. You don't do that against top teams. Incredible from Liverpool. All right. A, a little bit about Leicester. Um, Brendan Rodgers obviously had a game plan. He thought, right, we're going to target Liverpool's right back area because they're missing Trent Alexander-Arnold and they're probably going to play James Milner there. <laughs> what a mistake that was. But having said all that, Vardy still made a nuisance of himself. Uh, Harvey Barnes, we saw, is busy, but... Again, the criticism of him is he doesn't finish the chances off. And, and they're, they're a bit lightweight, aren't they, Arvin? They are. Uh, I think Brendan Rodgers came out and summed it up really well. He said that they were passive. They were not aggressive enough. That chance that Harvey Barnes, if he took it at that point when you're 1-0 down, it kind of changes the course of a game and, and things, things can go a little bit differently. But really, on the, on the match itself, uh, Leicester was second in every department. Wesley Fofana, for the first time, I saw really, really struggled in that Leicester backline. Um, but 
when I looked at this Liverpool, and I and I agree with that, it's 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 the ethos of what has been taught into these players. It's come to a point right now they can have as many injuries as they want, and it might mm. catch up to them. But it's come to a point that I think the only injury that would hit them bad is probably if Jurgen Klopp gets injured and he's not there with them. <laughs> that's the that, that's how it's that's how it's become. Because really, I mean, when you look at that itself. Andy Robertson on the other side again. What what a ball. And, and really, what a, yeah, I agree. I, exactly. Exactly. I mean, in overall, since Fabino came back, he was extremely welcome back. And and it's just so it's so refreshing to see a manager not come out and complain about the hard uh, card of decks that he's been dealt. So massive credit to Liverpool and massive credit to Jurgen Klopp. Um, uh, Rogers came out and said, "Well, we didn't have Chahano uh, glue. We didn't have <laughs> all the Castania, yeah, Castania. But, yeah, but um, Cam, from from a neutral's perspective, this Liverpool side, you enjoy watching them, and do you think they're raging favourites for the to retain the title? Well, uh, first of all, they are not top of the table, um, which I was surprised to discover actually, <clears throat> but um. If, if with the international break, you know, watching this team, you wouldn't really know, unless there's a damn good team, you wouldn't really know that this is not their first team. I thought Sane was really impressive and so industrious. And as you say, Milner, uh, it's as if it was built around Milner. Yeah. I, but the, uh, the injuries, it's really, it's really on a knife edge. And uh, Salah with, I think he's what, he's got COVID-19, is he not? Yep. Um, it's it's really touch and go. I don't know if they can be trawling the 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 youth squad much more. Um, a couple more injuries and they're in, they're in trouble. Well, well, we'll see. It's the games are coming thick and fast now. Uh, you got Champions League this week, which we'll we'll touch on uh, a little later on. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Chelsea. They played first at the weekend and they went top. For a little while, they were very impressive. Went away to St James's Park, beat Newcastle two nil. Um, we're seeing Frank Lampard, Chelsea. We, well, we know he's got immensely talented players in in that squad there, Des. But uh, they still have to go and do the business. And now he's tightened up at the back, and um, they're winning games. It's all about that solid base, and they, they've done it uh, with uh, reintroducing Antonio Ruggia um, alongside Kurtuma and Mendy, and another clean sheet, and you've got little Kante. I've been telling you guys, <laughs> Kante is the key because he just mops up everything in front, and that allows your front five to go and play. Go and play, Timo Werner. Go and play, Te- uh, Abraham. Go and do your magic, Zayic. I'll look after everything in front of the back four. And it's, um, I tell you what, they are a real threat, our Chelsea, because um, they, they've got players already able to come in. They look solid at the back and they've got that little magician, Kante. It's going to be a really good title race. There's Tottenham, there's Chelsea, there's Liverpool. City will come back into it. They will get good and there's others involved as well. But Newcastle won't be there. Newcastle were the epitome of what I hate about it. They did <laughs> not try to win a game of football. Good riddance to bad rubbish. I tell you, if you don't try and win a game of football, you get exactly what you deserve. And people turn off and people stop paying their subscriptions and your money tree ends. Callum Wilson was missing oh. for Newcastle United. <laughs> now, he scored six of their 10 goals. That's 60% of their goals uh, were missing and they didn't have another answer. But all right, back to Chelsea. They oozed quality, Arvin. But being critical here, I'm looking at Timo Werner, your, your big, big signing. 
There's a lot of talk that he takes about five, six chances to score a goal. Here, he didn't score. I mean, I, I grant you, he had a very good, perf- a, a good performance overall, set up the goal. But uh, is that going to be worrying? Could that come back and, and bite them? Uh, it's probably slightly worrying, but I'd probably put it down to the fact that he's probably still got Germany's humiliation on his mind after losing the way that they did during the international break, probably. Um, his assist was a thing of beauty, don't get me wrong. His assist yeah. was an absolute thing of beauty, but he looked a little bit distraught. He reminds me a lot of a, a more skillful Milan Barros. He, he just keeps his head down and he just keeps running at you in that sense. <laughs> but again, if, 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 you look at, if you look at it in this way, if he's not delivering on the day itself, Tammy Abraham came in. Yeah. He scored for the third game in a row. He was relentless. He was chasing down defenders. So Chelsea have options. While Timo Werner might not be firing on the day, and he could have assisted another goal and he should have scored that opportunity that he had. They have options. So it's just a period right now where I think he needs, needs to get a little bit more used to the league, but he will come good. He's still a quality, quality player. Are they the real deal, Kamraslan? Lampard's Blues? Um, but- I'm beginning to think they are. I've been very skeptical of uh, Frank Lampard, but I, I agree with everything that Des said. It's he, he's uh, he's added that dimension of defence, and you you have to compare him to first timers like Arteta and Solskjaer. Well, Solskjaer is not exactly first time, um, who haven't really added that extra dimension, especially Solskjaer. But I didn't think he could do it. But the defence and also the reinvigoration of Kante, perhaps playing him really in the role that he he's meant to play yeah as opposed to trying to push him up front uh yeah i think that this chelsea i, I was really impressed by them uh I, I enjoyed watching them yeah brilliant stuff well played chelsea liverpool and tottenham we go into our first break then stick with us more of the weekend's football coming right up no happy return but a reality check bordering on a rude awakening off the ball on bfm 89.9 Immediate thrust, recognisable certainty, and a nasty dig in the ribs. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Cam Razlan, Des Corkill, and Arvin Sidhu joining me to look back at the weekend's EPL action. Um, yeah, time to. We were talking about teams with a lot of dimension. Uh, Let's flip the coin now and talk about Man United instead. (laughs) Uh, Man United won West Bromwich Albion nil. Now, the world, his wife and their dog all knew that West Bromwich Albion were going to go to Old Trafford, sit back, play a tight block, low block and make United dictate the the play. Uh, and, and yet again, um, United laboured. It took a twice-taken penalty. VAR ruled out a penalty for West Brom. Um, I'm going to let Des off here first. <laughs> Go on, Des. Have your say. VAR. Um, first one. Okay, the referee's authority has been utterly, utterly compromised. Nobody can ever have that referee again and believe a decision of him because he has called a penalty. And then he has changed his mind. So he has broadcast to the world, I have got it wrong. I am not a good referee. You cannot trust me. He has been completely, utterly discredited as a top-class referee. And it's not because he made the first call. 
It's because VAR intervened and still it's more than debatable whether or not he should have overturned it. So the referee's authority has gone. This consistently has been my biggest complaint about VAR. I don't mind referees getting things wrong. I do object to their authority being completely undermined. That's what's happened here. It's even further undermined when he gives a perfectly per, uh, legitimate penalty for Man United. It's hit the hand. We've seen that. That's a penalty. And then the, the retake from, from the goalkeeper. Yes, it, it's justified. But that's obvious to the naked eye. Both of those are clear refereeing decisions that should have been given. The first one, the referee, his authority has been undermined. VAR, once again, even though you want to talk about Man United, VAR is the demon in this room. Get rid of it. It <laughs> is garbage. I, I'm sure everybody listening to this agrees to this. Agrees with this. So get rid of it then. Start yeah, a campaign. But, but but they're not going to, are they? I mean, you. So start a campaign. <laughs> Turn off. Start complaining. We're, we're we're talking a worldwide problem here. Um, I mean, let's not even go to. I saw bits of German and Italian football, and VAR caused just as many problems there this weekend. Oh, so that makes it all right then? No, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. But. Let's stick to the point here, and, and I'm going to go the to... point is VAR. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to go to Cab. Cab, what do you make of Solskjaer, Man United? Is he on borrowed time? Uh, what's going on here? This was a really uh, appalling display from Manchester United. And, Ross, if, if, you're, if you want, we can just pretend it never happened and just <laughs> carry on. It's only West Brom. But Manchester United have failed consistently to beat teams that sit back, that sit deep, that uh, do not give them the chance for the counter-attack. They had no ideas. It was just appalling. And I can't think of any players who really covered themselves with any kind of glory. One matter, giving a try with a cutback. Otherwise, really, lack of ideas. And they were so lucky to have that double penalty. Yeah, well... Paul Scholes and Rio Ferdinand were pundits for that game and, and they were spot on. Uh, Scholes came out and said, in fact, he said before the game that you, you really don't need to play two holding midfielders at home uh, because there's no creativity. And yet again, we saw Arvin, Van der Beek, not used until late on. Um, what's the deal here? Do, do they not trust him? Is he not good enough? What's the plan? I don't get it. I don't get it. That was my main question here. I mean, Fred has kind of cemented his position in that United midfield. I think he's one of the better players. And he was taken season. off. <laughs> and Martin yeah, and he was, was taken left off. on. But why would you not bring someone like Donny van der Beek in? He's someone who scored at the international break against, against Spain and Italy. He, he can't get a start for Man United. But why did you buy this player in the first place? Juan Mata has been a, 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 an incredible player for his career. But against West Brom, a team that's in the relegation zone. If there's ever a time to start Donny van der Beek, it is this match against West Bromwich Albion. So again, um, and I know Des is against this of, of, of managers getting the sack too, too, too quickly, but Ole has been given time. He's been given time. He's been given He's just money. won a game. He's just yeah, won the and, game. And, and, and where are they in the table? He's won a game. He's... Where are they in the table? So, okay, win a game, get sacked. Mourinho won two trophies. Get sacked. That works, huh? That's really worked for Man United. He he will win this game and then he'll take two steps back. We've seen this in Groundhog Day momentum over and over and over again. This is their first home win. It's the middle of November for Man United. (laughs) A home win in middle of November. So for me, he's just been given enough of time. There has to be a change in some sense if they want to move forward. But again, the only thing player that came out of any for me for this was Bruno Fernandes. Besides the penalty, he looked like he was someone who was just a class above everyone else in that squad. 
Yeah. Um, let's move on. I, I don't think that there's a lot else to say about Man United. Is there, Des? Oh, yeah. Listen, if they win their game in hand, they move up to fifth in the table. Sixth. On goal difference. They move level on points with Southampton. And everyone's saying, yeah, yeah. what a glorious season Southampton and Leicester have. United have had a dreadful season. One more win and they move into the top six. But, but you, I mean, it's, it's like... I'm, I'm hearing, I'm hearing and I'm laughing yeah. and I'm enjoying. <laughs> of course you would. Of course you would. That's why we're going to move on. Because <laughs> there's not a lot else to say about that. I think all, all the points have been hit. United, yes, they did win. Um, they are in the top half for, for the first time. They have strung together two wins for the first time this season and long merit continue uh, <laughs> what a signing on. var was though what a signing what what a signing var and fernandez you oh money well spent uh fulham two everton three dominic calvert lewin continuing his excellent scoring form with a with a couple of goals now everton are, are great fun to watch um a lot has been, they, they built Richarlison up a lot, this, this Everton side, but he's worth every single hype, every single bit, because he came back and what, it took four minutes for him to set up the goal. And he closes down from the front. I mean, when he's there, his energy just transmits to the side. Everton were different at the start of this game and through the last three games, right? Uh, they were. Uh, for me, he's he's a low-key Andrei Shevchenko, how Ancelotti used to use Andrei Shevchenko at Milan. Uh, again, but the second goal again, and, and, and VAR again. You've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin's hand over the line. You had the same thing with Patrick Bamford three weeks ago, <laughs> pointing where he wants the ball. Now, if VAR is consistently bad, it's bad. Now it's become inconsistently bad because no one knows the rules anymore. Players don't know where to put their hands. So that second goal, three weeks ago, wouldn't have been given by the same referee in the Palace Leeds game. So they have to get this part sorted. But taking away from that, uh, Richarlison coming back to the squad is very important. And Luca Dean, again, very important. Captain of the day. Beautiful assist that he provided for for Everton. So overall, they'll be happy a, a, a bit for allowing Fulham to almost come back into the game and with that comedy of a penalty that we just uh, Fulham just keep doing this week on week with the penalties that they're given so Ancelotti will be happy that they've kind of started turning the corner once again Craig Wilkie actually tweeted something funny he said Fulham are really cunning they're obviously putting together a bloopers reel about penalty taking for the season and that's where the real income's going to be it was it was comical. Caballero, um, uh, Scott Parker afterwards said, "Look, he never misses a penalty in training. He's really, really good." <laughs> Des, I mean, how how bad do you feel for the player when this happens? So I had a theory, and uh, I kept my 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 powder dry last time. But uh, when Ade Lukman missed that one against West Ham, I thought the worst thing that could happen is that he doesn't take the next one. Yeah. I think he's, he's got to take the next one. It's like falling off a bike, getting on and riding. Falling off a horse, you get back on and you ride it. So I was really surprised that Adi Luckman, he was on the pitch, yeah, Adi yeah. Luckman didn't take that he penalty. He actually had a good I game. Thought, uh, he did. He's a good player. He's a cutting thrust. And what that would have done, it would have shown Scott, Scott Parker, if he said, hey, listen, Luckman, you're taking the penalties. It shows confidence in your player, even though you've, you've messed up once. You, it can't be a case of you make a mistake and you're doomed forever. It cannot be. So even Caballero steps up. So next penalty Fulham get, if they get one, <laughs> give it to Caballero. 
give it to Caballero. I just think uh, psychologically, it's so important. If somebody really produces a howler, somebody's got to put their arm around them and say, hey, well done. It's a shame for Fulham because their second half resurgence really could easily have earned a point in this match. Everton were at 3-1 up, were, were cruising. The penalty comes, then the quick goal comes. Um, so they're, they're working hard. But that was just one of those things where I thought, no, you've got to give it to Luckman. And I wish I'd said something in last week's show, show could crow again, because I'm right about a lot of things and I would have been right about this as well. <laughs> and, and he lets us know on a regular basis as well. Um, uh, Cam, Everton, you, li- you like watching them? Uh, I really do. And I'm, I'm becoming more and more an admirer of Ancelotti and his ways. He's somebody that we don't really consider one of the great uh, managers. And he was a great player as well. And one of the things I, there was a shot where he was talking to Duncan Ferguson on the side. And I really respect a manager who comes in and doesn't clean out the stuff and bring in their own number two and all the others. He works with what's there. He works with the, uh, the spirit of the club embodied by Duncan Ferguson. And he's evolutionary as well, as opposed to revolutionary in the way that he turns it around. And I really hope that Everton keep this up and end very high in, in uh, who knows, coming top of the league or above Liverpool, because I think he really deserves it. He's a, he's a great manager and he's the kind of person who really should have been at, say, Manchester United. Although, was he already? There were so no. many after Ferguson. I've lost track. <laughs> uh, brilliant stuff. Right, we're going for another break. Stick with us. We're going to wrap up the weekend for you when we get back. Five yards out, unchallenged, unmarked, makes absolutely no mistake. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. For this season, off and running with a goal inside eight minutes. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back, back with Des Colkill, Cam Razlan and Arvin Sidhu this Monday evening, looking back at match week nine of the English Premier League. As usual, you can tweet at BFM Radio. If you prefer, you can find us all individually on Twitter. Uh, we're all there. I'm not going to give you the, our handles. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And we do have a YouTube channel up and running. Uh, it's TFIF on video. We preview uh, every EPL weekend. So do check it out. Leeds nil, Arsenal nil. It was only the third goalless draw for Leeds in 101 league matches under Marcelo Bielsa. Uh, got a Leeds fan here in Arvin Sidhu. Um, they were wasteful, your team, Arvin, because in my book, they, they should have won that one. Arsenal down to 10 men. It should have been put to bed. Should have been. Uh, the positives is uh, the clean sheet is important for Leeds after the two four-one uh, hammerings that they took recently. Having Calvin Phillips back in that side is so important because he kind of consolidates things a lot of the back when they struggle. Well, you're right. I mean, when you play a game where Nicholas Pepe gets sent off early in the second half for a ridiculous hit, but uh, for 40 minutes when you're you're, you're but sometimes when you play against 10 men, it's it's even more difficult because Arsenal went into a more defensive solidarity that we've we've not uh, we've seen quite recently as well. But you're right. Leeds should have taken their chances. Four shots hit the bar. Sometimes it just doesn't go for you. But overall, Leeds played well compared to the last two games, and I think Bielsa will take will take pride from that. Uh, but at this level, you, you still need to take your chances a little bit more clinical than that. And that's something that they'll need to work on. Mm, they, they hit the woodworker several times. Uh, but, but Des Corkill, that, that Nicolas Pepe red card, um, 
Arteta was incensed. And in, in this modern day and age, you can't do stuff like that. You know you've got 24 cameras trained on the game. They're going to pick every single thing up and any player is going to fall down to the ground. I know you're going to get gone and there's gone. You've got me. So yeah. I am utterly incensed that Alioski has reacted in the way he has. I am absolutely incensed that the referee has gone over and not just said to the boys, hey, settle down. There's nothing going on here. Pepe has not buttered. If you've ever been buttered, Arvind, <laughs> you know what a butt is like. That is not a butt. That is a little lean into the head and Alioski has gone down like he is shot. It is embarrassing. It is shameful. The nitpickers, the dicks and the cheats are taking over in football and it cannot be let go without comment. Alioski should be reprimanded. In fact, should get a three-match ban because he has cheated by getting an opposing player sent off. No two ways about it and uh, I, we are letting these things take over and it is wrong the other slight unrelated thing i'm a big fan of astro i'd watched this game to the end and leeds was so unlucky towards the end survived when sacco did and astro produced the highlights incredibly quickly these days and it turned yeah. on and they didn't have the, the shots against the post <laughs> so one little thing for astro brilliant job keep doing what you're doing loving the live coverage loving the quick turnaround highlights but come on editorially you've got to get your highlights better but alioski deserves an oscar and deserves a three-match ban for cheating cameras <laughs> <laughs> like god stand I, up I, for the macedonian no i think it's really interesting that we have a leeds united and liverpool fan here today and uh clearly des would only be satisfied if it was it was it billy bremner uh, who went and snapped kevin, uh, keegan. kevin, kevin keegan. keegan in half yep. it, it's it's only that kind of uh tackle that uh would please des Corkill. <laughs> yeah but, but you're know, telling me that you're telling me there was any damage done whatsoever to Alioski. You're telling me there was it doesn't any, matter. any damage. Do you mean it, he, that's the point? It does matter. No, it really it does matter. matter. He put his head in the, the shot. I, it looked like a headbutt. And you don't yeah, do that. As if, Cam, have you been headbutted? But it, uh, it's, 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 uh, hang on, let no. me jump in here. It's akin, to, it's akin to a player raising his arm now. To, to, uh, that's crap as well. Yeah, wait, <laughs> I, I, I agree, but it's punishable. You can't put your arms okay. around somebody's neck, for example, anymore. That, okay. That's, okay. that's uh, straight red, right? That, Everybody that, knows the game, that. the game has evolved then since the Billy Bremner's and Kevin Keegan's. When your own manager... <laughs> for are, the worse. For when, the when worse. But, but it's just agree. something that we have to be with. When, when your own manager, Mikel Arteta, comes out and says that was completely unacceptable and he should have known better is because Ateta gets the game that he has played in the last couple of years. You don't lean your head in like that. It's irrespective. We've seen lesser things where Lamella gives a little tap on a player and a player goes down and that player gets that dog. That's even lesser than this. This is a head moving into the motion of another... Do you not agree, Arvin, that this is a dreadful example because you start doing this and you start punishing the uh, for, for tiny, tiny, innocuous little things and that extrapolates out into the real world. Do you not agree that that is a potential major problem? It, I agree. I, I agree. Because I think players now are making the most of things that they shouldn't be doing. But again, Cheating. you can't... Yeah, but you cannot fault the player because that's what's in the You can of, fault the player. That's my can't. whole point. You can Can I just... This is not the, the, the beginning of something. When did Zidane headbutt... Uh, what's his Matarazzi. name? Matarazzi. That was a headbutt. Two, that was That's a headbutt. <laughs> that was this a proper has, headbutt, actually. Yeah, and so we, we know for a very long time 
Pepe can't just say, oh, really? I didn't know I could do that. No, we've known for a very long time you do not. You're need... equating Zidane's headbutt where he's gone bang with Pepe, <laughs> where he's just gone like that. Come on, I don't, I don't play football. I never want to play football with you, Des. <laughs> ne- Neymar would have rolled for ages on both headbutts. <laughs> Let me still be kneeling now. <laughs> Let me tell you that. Uh, but yeah, uh, nil-nil, it was a chance wasted in the end for, for Leeds United. They should have won that. But a, a bit more about Arsenal. They're suffering. This Arsenal side have scored 10 goals, I was reading so far in the Premier League. They've, they've got a host of attacking players. What's gone wrong? How can you not... How can Arteta get defensive and attacking uh, proportions so wrong then, Des? I don't know. Um... I don't know, because you look at the players, William, Pepe, Aubameyang and Willock, uh, you've got Zaka there. It, it's a kind of very similar to the Chelsea scenario where he's got really good attacking players, a good attacking five. It just doesn't seem as though he's allowing them to, to go and play. Aubameyang is dreadfully exposed. Admittedly, they've spent a large part of the second half down to 10 men. But even then, Aubameyang looks half the player. Good players need good players around them to shine. They can't do it on their own. And that, I think, is the difference between Chelsea and Arsenal. Arteta is so concerned about holding on to that defensive um, record that he's got that he's not allowing the team to go and play. It's very a la George Graham, except they're not getting the 1-0 wins at the moment. Yeah. 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 But, but, but credit to Arteta, that a lot of Arsenal fans clamoured and asked him to, to play Aubameyang up front. He did, he did try that. So he's trying to change things. But again, it's, I think, 700 hours without a goal from open play, which is concerning because when you have the personnel that you have, the fluidity is just not there. Something is just not working in that sense. Uh, Pepe, we, we talked about Pepe. Willock came in and thought did okay. Lacazette doesn't look like he could, could score. There's even clamor to get Eddie Nikita to come in and try and help out. So I think Ateta will try what he can do, but he has to work on that being a little bit more fluid than it is right now. Okay. Um, elsewhere in the EPL, the other two games, the Saturday game, Aston Villa, Brighton 2. We should mention that because Brighton are a good fun. They've been unlucky with results so far. Good performances, not always resulting in points for them. But this time they went away to Villa, Des, and did the business. Yeah, really good game. Guess what was the talking point at the end of it? V-A-R. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, ju- it just proves my point. A really good game between two yeah, teams yeah. who did go out to try to play the, the, the game properly. They kept it on the floor. Danny Welbeck looks a man who's had the arm around the shoulder and says, I think you're a good player. And it looked like it. Um, Villa, a, a, a very good side. Uh, they, when they lost Ross Barkley, very interestingly, they, they, they lost an awful lot of their oomph going forward. Barkley is uh, in this Villa side is, is the star man, even though you, you may talk about Jack Grealish and Ollie Watkins but for me Ross Barkley's the man who's made the difference and he went off and there was a problem for them but two good teams trying to play the right way in a game overshadowed by a VAR decision at the end Villa feel robbed Brighton feel yes and nobody actually knows what the correct result is <laughs> Cameras on well uh, okay so Des is really determined to live in a parallel universe where you can like argue away VAR Personally, with the IR, I like the fact that human error has been reintroduced into the game, albeit in a, in a very random way. Uh, and I appreciate that. I, I'm wondering with Jack, Jack Grealish and, and myself, I'm wondering if I, I really like Jack Grealish. I think he's a superb player, but I'm wondering if I'm, I've, I've, been hype, I've been hyping myself into it. Every time he touches the ball, I think, hey, that's just genius. That's brilliant. That's like the greatest footballer of all time. And, and, 
and if I try to concentrate on other players, maybe they're doing the same thing. I don't know. Jack, can someone tell me? I think he's really great. Is he really great? He, he is good, but he had an average game. He couldn't influence that game. And, and Brighton were, were just too good. All right, let's move on. Talk about Sheffield United against West Ham. Um, fellow Yorkshire side there, Arvid. Sheffield United, you're happy to see where they are, obviously. They don't look like they've got goals in them. At this stage, with nine games gone, they look like they're destined for the drop. They're struggling. Yeah, Chris Wilder's team is just sliding and sliding down. My main, my main grip on both this is Ollie McBurney comes in, uh, header, good save by the keeper, a chance that hits the bar. I, I get it. He's trying really hard. The guy works really hard. And, and Craig Wilkie, just, we always have memes on Ollie McBurney. My question is, where's Ryan Brewster? You buy Ryan Brewster, which is your record signing, you keep him on the bench. When no, he, the time uh, to... let, let me just jump in here. He had a knock, apparently. Uh, okay, it, fine. It, okay, fine. We, fine. Yeah. He, he, he had a knock. Okay, fine. When the fact is, when Ollie McBurney is there and you take Ollie McBurney out, you bring in John Lundstrom to try and salvage uh, and try and score your goals. So, so Chris Wilder has got a real, real danger here where the second season syndrome is obviously there, but they're just not being able to produce enough goals. And if you don't score enough goals in the Premier League, you know what happens. It's got like four goals in nine games. That's less than half in, 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 when, you, when you divide that in a racial perspective. Uh, but Chris Wilder, last year, five-year contract, well-deserved, but Sheffield United have got a lot of figuring out to do it. Yeah, the second season syndrome in a nutshell, Des kill this one. Yeah, um, I think the, the losses defensively have hurt them. Last year, they could win games 1-0 and uh, draw a lot of nil-nils. They didn't score many last year either. No. Despite all the plaudits they received for, for the overlapping centre-backs, they didn't score many. Their games were normally pretty drab, but they, they did try to play the, the football in the same way. They're trying to do it this year. Different players. It doesn't work. The back three just isn't as coordinated. And West Ham got a lot of joy down the left-hand side where they were able to pump crosses in. Great goal by Haller. I, I like Haller because he works. He works hard. Um, he, he doesn't give up. He gets a lot of stick like Joel Linton at Newcastle. He gets a lot of stick. But he, he's, he's an honest... I, I love honest players. And I think Haller is honest. Uh, Sheffield United look doomed. West Ham, I'm looking where they are. Eighth in the table. It is only a matter of time before West Ham plummet. Promise you, promise you. There might be worse teams in the league, but West Ham will not finish above 16th. Guaranteed. Has there been a team that's benefited from the pandemic as best as West Ham? Because I think that there's some, they're a team without that, that pressure from the fans who are typically oh. very, very yeah, high. Yeah, good point. West Ham, West Ham seems to be a team that functions in that pandemic and without that added pressure quite well compared to everyone else. I'm struggling to think there's anyone else who's done as well in the pandemic compared to, to West Ham as well, I, how they normally perform. I, I agree with Ivan there. I was I was thinking that Newcastle might also benefit from a lack of uh, having fans, but they haven't really. But I, I don't think West Ham will necessarily collapse. But I would like to ask a question, and it's really a sad question. Is it possible that Sheffield United will finish this season with one point? <laughs> <laughs> that, that would make them the, the uh, undisputed uh, worst undisputed. side in the Premier League ever. All right, um, final break then. That's your weekend. Uh, more games, uh, loads of games happening this week. Tell you about them next. Worth a try. And he's always prepared to give it a go. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Well, the rules have been clarified and, and they've looked to, to balance things fair, in a fairer fashion. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we return with Des Corkill, Kamrazlan, Arvin Sidhu, looking at uh, two more Premier League games happening tonight. Uh, you've got Burnley versus Crystal Palace. 
All right, it is slightly for the hardcore. This one's half past one, so you may not fall asleep yet. Um, what, what can we say about them? Uh, easy, look good for Palace recently, Arvin. Um, I, I would make them probably slight favourites going into... Burnley are struggling this season, aren't they? They are, they really are. Uh, still looking for their first win. They haven't got a win so far. Our lowest scorers in all of English football, so not just the Premier League, in all of English football. Uh, they've got a they've got a potential takeover happening at the back, and I guess that's maybe a few things that's that's happening on their side. Uh, ben Mee has come in, and I believe he's kind of organised their defence a little bit better. But again, with Burnley, uh, it's just you, you, Robbie Brady goes out. You bring in Goodmanson. It's not really pulling up any trees, creating any excitement. So yeah, uh, they are another team who is at the wrong end of the table. Uh, adverse to Palace, who I I feel is going in the right way. The way that they're doing things, Arabechi, you spoke about. Uh, but I hear he has a doubt, so he might not play this yeah. one. Milovic, Milovic is still suspended. Uh, they'll look to Zaha again. Uh, and I was reading a very nice piece on this. Uh, Steve Parrish, he was saying that in all his years of Palace, one of the things he's most proud of right now is the academy that they've got coming up next year. They've got a really exciting academy coming up. They've had the likes of Juan Bissaka and Tarek Michel that's come up from the academy. So that's something quite nice to read from a grassroots perspective. Brilliant. Uh, Burnley Crystal Palace is uh, half past one. Kickoff early Tuesday morning. Wolves versus Southampton. The 4 a.m. kickoff could be a lot of fun. The Saints have coped really well. Uh, Hassan Hattel uh, has, has performed above and beyond. He's got Che Adams scoring in the absence of Danny Ings, which is no mean feat. He's come from Birmingham. Um, they're good. They're good fun to watch, Tess Corkill, Southampton. Yeah, they try to win games of football. It's uh, an argument against Wolves and Palace in that... Uh, the money tree will end if Wolves, uh, sorry, not Wolves, if Burnley and Palace ends another nil-nil. People are going to legitimately say, do we really need 20 teams when you two are that dreadful? But Southampton have bucked that trend. Southampton have decided, let's go out and try and win games of football. Again, Ings gets all the, the credit and Che Adams has come in and scored the goals. But you don't just lump the ball up to Danny Ings and he beats nine players and puts it in. Mm. Yes, he does some score some great players, but he always has options. He can either go left or right or he can shoot because he's got support up there. And Southampton are getting players, flooding players up in support. Not gung-ho, but in an attacking way. Wolves do something very similar. Wolves will do it on a more consistent basis to um, maybe really be able to threaten a top six place. Southampton may, may just fall away a little bit um, because of the, the lack of depth of their squad. But both will go about the, the business the right way and make it worth my paying the subscription fee, which is now what it's all about. If West Ham can do without fans and Newcastle do without fans, they need us more than ever. So they have got more of a duty of care to us than ever before. Do your duty, teams. Do your duty. <laughs> they have to entertain. <laughs> You're shaking your oh. head, Roslan. Because Des Corkill wants entertainment to be like, you know, just running around headbutting everybody <laughs> and, and just being completely crazy and, and like scoring, either scoring 10 goals or just letting in 10 goals and just, and just like, but I do agree with, with Des on one thing, which is yes, make the Premier League 18 teams, take it down. And I think that would really set the cat among the pigeons and you'd, you'd find a lot of interesting clubs getting relegated and promoted uh, like the Bundesliga. Yeah. All right. Well, Wolves Southampton, 4 a.m. kickoff, a whole bunch of Champions League games. Uh, Chelsea are away in France in Group E. They top their group at the moment. Uh, three games played, seven points. They're the same with Sevilla 
at the moment. Now, Sevilla will play Krasnodar in the other game. Um, how important, uh, Arvin, do you reckon, is the Champions League to, to Frank Lampard and Chelsea? Or do you reckon he's concentrating more on Premier League glory? I feel he, he, that the Premier League will be more in the insights. But Roman Abramovich has never been adverse to, to doing well in Europe. He's already won it once with, with Chelsea. So in that sense, I believe still the focus will be the Premier League. Uh, but they're doing well in the Champions League. They beat runs in, in, in the last round of, of fixtures. Uh, they, they still will miss a couple of players for this for Chelsea. I mean, Pulisic is still out. Havertz is still recovering from, from COVID. And Thiago Silva, you don't know if he'll come in or they'll keep him for the weekend. They've got a big game next weekend, by the way, against Tottenham. Ex-manager uh, ex Jose Marino is going to go up against Chelsea. That's going to be a big one next weekend. Uh, but for else, look out for Eduardo Camavinga. What a player that's yeah, going to be. Yeah. He's, going to, he's going to make a move to a big club coming this end of the season. Such, such a quality player and one ready for the future. All right. Chelsea should win that one in Group E. Man United are in action on Tuesday, Wednesday morning. They're in Group H. Now, if... Istanbul's manager is worth his salt, Des Corkill. He will field 12 or 11 <laughs> defenders on the pitch at Old Trafford. That would be my game plan. Just sit and sit and sit. This is a surefire 6-0 win for Man United. Martial <laughs> will be sensational. Pogba will come off the bench. Uh, the Dutch boy Van der Beek will get, uh, get his head. He'll score two. And the, 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 the crowd will be, well, the crowd at home will be chanting that Ole is the saviour. And so everything will be good until next weekend. <laughs> uh, I, I, think, I think Des has had one, one too many headbutts over the years. <laughs> or give it out to <laughs> me. No, they scored five last time, Cam. They scored five at home last time. Well, I agree with, with Ross. I think you set it up for defence. You don't let them do anything and you can beat Manchester United. Yeah, but not, not many. Some teams still get overawed when they go, oh, Theatre of Dreams, England, Manchester. And, and you know. It's they... empty. It's an empty stadium. Mm, okay. Well, I, I, I hope. Normally quiet, Cam, anyway. It's normally quiet. <laughs> I hope Des is right for once. <laughs> Man United, Istanbul, then is a Wednesday 4 a.m. kickoff. Man City are away at Olympiakos in Group C. Uh, it is all about the Champions League for, for Pep Guardiola, Cameras Land. They, they're sitting pretty. 100% record, played 3 1 3. Uh, they should navigate this group without any problems. But is this side, do you reckon, uh, potential European champions? Do you see it? They've had a lot of hurt, uh, personal hurt. This is the one thing they really do need to prove themselves on. Guardiola, of course, has just got a new two year contract is it not which means i think he's going to go at the end of this year um no what and... it means is messi is definitely coming it's just whether it's january or the summer messi's what he's like 52 years old now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the the um no i they come on i mean they've got to get their champions league thing together but guardiola they look they're looking tired they look i thought this weekend they look like a very tired bunch of people who don't really have their heart in it and as everyone said aguero's missing and that really clearly means everything so they'll do well they won't win the, the whole champions league like man city liverpool are top of group d uh, 100% record three wins out of three they host atalanta this time des Corkill, uh, having won big uh, in bergamo last time yeah, out Lip Liverpool's move to uh, the Kirby training complex uh, allows the nice, Jurgen Klopp to overlook, overlook the under-23s. And he saw the under-23s play a goalless draw against Southampton the other day. Could well be selecting all 11 of them, I think, at uh, Atalanta. 
<laughs> because they've done so well. They've got the points in the bag so far. Um, uh, and, and I think this must be an opportunity just to try to give one or two of the fringe players a start. The Necker Williams, perhaps Curtis Jones got a start at, at the weekend, but just to give them a little bit more uh, genuine match, match practice with the danger that at Atalanta are more than good enough to come uh, and score goals. Uh, every, everyone knows that that 5-0 was a bit of a freak, but Liverpool should have enough in hand, you think, in their last three games just to make sure they qualify. Mm. Um, uh, in the Europa League, you've got uh, Arsenal away at Molde. Arsenal are going great in the Europa League. Three wins out of three in Group B. Uh, Rapid Vienna and Dundalk are the other two teams in their group. Uh, no problems there for Arteta, but he's got to get them firing. Arvin, he does. Going he to... does. He does. And what, what an opportunity. I mean, when you go exactly. with the Norwegian League. Yeah, Molde are not doing bad, by the way. They're second in the Norwegian League. I mean, they've always been a big team in, in Norway. But if there was ever a time for him to, like I spoke about it earlier, give an opportunity to change things up a bit, bring in Adin Neketia, try Lacazette in a different position, maybe play two up front, try it. Once a few of the goals start going in, they will start realizing they can get into the rhythm of things. So if there's ever a time for them to experiment, and try it, it would be now. Uh, Leicester are away at Braga in Group G. They top their group as well. But uh, Cam, Spurs, Jose Mourinho. Spurs host Ludogorets. They're top of their group. Three, three games played, two wins, one loss. Now, out of all the Premier League, FA Cup, Europa League, uh, League Cup, I think they're still in it. Which one do you reckon Jose would most like to win? And, which one do you reckon he put all his energies into? Well, assuming that it, it works like that, um, <laughs> and, and if he could go for one at the moment, well, the Premier League, clearly, uh, Spurs have never won. Um, he would be giving the middle finger to everybody and he would love to do that. Uh, I would say the Premier League. Um, but they are probably set up as a cup-run team. They, they have a real look about that, uh, especially if they can just keep, keep enough people not injured, stretch it over the season, then they, they'd probably have a, a better chance at a cup. But he would love to win the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, nine games gone in the league, Des, and, and it, that's a fair comment. But if Spurs should fall away, you can totally see the Europa League as the Premier Jose Mourinho tournament, can't you? Uh, Jose Mourinho is a perennial winner. It's too early to talk about uh, Premier League. You can't win anything in November. You can certainly lose things in November. Um, and, and he'll be looking at this. Just to, just a, a quick comment about uh, Ludogorets, though. I've got a, a niece who lives in uh, Bulgaria, and she tells me that Ludogorets are the most hated team <laughs> because it's all about money. And so even the Bulgarians are not after a Ludogorets win here. So uh, Jose has got fans in London, in Portugal, and in Bulgaria for this match. Brilliant stuff. On that note, we're going to bid you good night. Uh, I'm going to say thanks to Arvin Sidhu. Brilliant stuff, Arvin. Thanks. Take care, guys. Have a good week ahead. Thanks to Cam Roslan. Thank you, Ross. And Des Corkill. I know JDT players must be smarting watching the Asian Champions League going on right now. They must be, but there's not a lot you can do about that. I would like to end, though, with a, a little tribute to my first football hero, Ray Clements 
who died last week. And uh, many, many people are paying tributes to him. The England goalkeepers and the Liverpool goalkeepers uh, did great things. Ray Clements was my first football hero and uh, very sad that he's passed away. But what memories he gave us. Yeah, great man indeed. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Have yourself a great week. We'll see you Friday. Bye-bye. Off the Ball, every Monday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.